Anybody need a Bible this morning? Raise your hand, check your neighbor, make sure they got theirs, rat them out if you need to. Uh, it's the last Sunday of the year. Uh, I get called into this every year to kind of close out the year, and I love, I love these times. We're going to kind of take a different path in the book of James. I thought maybe I'd rehearse a couple of things that I found valuable this year that maybe I didn't find so valuable as the years past. Uh, I kind of titled this message, which I never title them, but don't forget to get dressed. And I thought, you know, I, I was going to wear my standard pastor costume with some jeans or jacket or whatever. I thought, it's not working for 2020, so I'm going to revert back to what I know best and what I know does work, and that's where I'm at today. Uh, you guys can make your way, if you would like, to Ephesians chapter 1, and then also... Uh, Put your hand there on, I think it's Matthew chapter 5. We'll be there before we know it. But hey, without any stretch of your imagination, 2020 has proved to be the most frustrating and unpredictable year I have ever experienced in my very short time here on this earth. Amen. Amen. Yes. And with that, let's pray and be done for the day. No, <laughs> that, would, that would be perfect. The pattern for 2020 seemed to reciprocate over and over and over again. Uh, you gain some kind of mental foothold or some kind of place that you can find peace and then whoosh. <laughs> nope. Rethink everything you've learned over the last days, weeks, months and start all over again. And over and over again, it seemed like this year, chaos seemed to come running out of every corner. And it really transformed us as people, and it really did transform the church. I mean, there are so many things that defined 2020. Politics was and still is in the crazy zone. <laughs> the Australian bushfires, remember those? The wildfires in California were so devastating there for a while. Kobe Bryant died. Crazy day. Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Anybody remember the murder hornets? Yeah. I don't know what happened to them, but there was murder hornets for a while. 2020 will forever be marked by, of course, this COVID pandemic and the riots and things like the chaz that popped up on the news and all of this civil unrest, masks, social distancing became a part of our everyday Life, limited access or no access, it points to our favorite restaurants. You know, movies <laughs> were released. The theaters closed down. Remember when people were losing their minds over toilet paper? <laughs> Anybody get toilet paper for Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been the perfect gift. And as the year got kind of wound down, you know, Eddie Van Halen died. That's a huge blow to myself personally, not that I'm an Eddie Van Halen nut, but man, an icon of the music industry. And then when it seemed like everything couldn't get any worse, that everything had reached the bottom, the Patriots don't even make the playoffs. <laughs> but the ghost of New England with the goat is still alive and well, so... Kansas City guys can hit the road. Yeah, I'm like, what is happening? 
What is happening? So many turns, so many things this year. In all of this, however, I'm proud to say that the church, and when I say the church from now on out, that's code for this church. Calvary Chapel Joplin did not just lay down and, and pause and wait for things to be over with. We kind of rose up to meet some new challenges that we didn't even see coming. We got our online game on point. Remember those days? <laughs> Sitting around in your pajamas, eating a sausage bowl, trying to watch the online service. <laughs> see how many times you could punch that heart or that thumbs up button? That was a great couple months. We had that drive-in Easter service. You guys, how many of you guys showed up for that? That was crazy, wasn't it? Sitting in a car, watching the sun come up, and my wife and, you know, Missy would be at the front there for a while with their little thermometers and their gloves and their hand sanitizing mist. Take your temperature, send you home if you're a 101 or above. You couldn't get in the building, you know, until five minutes before service started, all that stuff. And we finally came back together. Man, what a great Sunday that was just to sit. Remember, we had the ribbons on the chairs and the distancing and all those things, but we got to come back together. And things may not be what they used to be, but man, they are sure better than what they were. And like you, I am ready to put this dumpster fire of a year <laughs> where it belongs and hit the reset button. And hopefully, like you guys, I never really lost track of the stability that is found in, in knowing that, that God has not fallen asleep on the job. He's still on the throne, has never vacated that position, and has placed the church and you and I at the right time, at the right moment, to reflect his glory, reflect his love and his peace. In Ephesians chapter 1, if you're there already, starts in verse 15. It says, Paul encourages, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, did not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. And here's where it gets good. For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. In other words, <laughs> and the love of Jesus in this book keeps us stable, allows us to navigate through these circumstances. And I thought, you know, if, if, if I wanted my walk to be known for anything, I would love it to be known for a single attribute of being strength. You know, the strength to start what God has called us to do, yes, but also the strength to carry those callings to their completion. That characteristic of strength, alive and well in my heart, in my mind, is one thing. 
but implementing that kind of strength in my life consistently and outwardly and actively seems to elude me at points. To have the endurance to finish well, to use the strength of God to withstand the forces of of this world and the attacks of the enemy without faltering. Always, 100% of the time, representing Jesus in word and in deed. Now that is a powerful life. 2020 has proved itself to be somewhat of a vocational school, if you will, for the church. And now more than ever, as we enter this new year, as we see You know, this is past and new things are set before us. We've been given this equipment that we didn't have before. Now is not the time to play games. We have to be strong Christians. And I understand that nobody wants to be known as a weak Christian. I hope not. One of those people that's always marked by the inability to make it to the finish line. That's not a prayer that we pray Or if you have been praying that, you should stop it and move towards the other side. Constantly falling short. One of those people who are always beat up, always bruised by the world and its influences. One of those who never really proceed with what God has called them to do with the God-given purpose for their life. Because they're always on the mend. They're always battle-scarred. They're always weary, wounded from the last battle. And that's easier said than done sometimes to pick up those pieces but we have to. But the truth is (laughs) that we face a very incredibly persistent enemy. And it doesn't take a long time to figure out that your strength in and of itself is not going to be enough. We are going to have to find our strength not in our own resources, not in our own abilities, but in who? Yeah, just shout it out if you know it. It's great. Yeah, God's, yeah. God's strength is truly, truly a gift. And we just passed this season of gifting. And with all gifts, it's something we can refuse to accept. We can refuse to open it. We can refuse to put it into our lives. We have to make a conscious decision to equip ourselves on a daily basis. Ephesians 6 tells us this, take up, because of all these things, take up the whole armor that you can withstand in the evil day and having done all, to what? To simply stand, to find yourself upright and moving about. But notice there that the armor has to be taken up. We have to add it to our lives. And it's found in very practical ways as we move forward in 2021. Time in the Word is a way to take up that armor instead of time at play or rest or fill in the blank. Time in our prayer closets when we feel we don't have the time. False. You have the time. Service to the church, services from the church, maybe when we don't feel like it, is a way to equip yourself with that kind of armor. And sometimes 
in the story of David, remember when he tried on the armor, it was so big, it wasn't the right size, and he was going to go face Goliath. You guys remember that story? It's in the Bible. David and Goliath. Josh, you got it? Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I like that one. That's a good one. His armor was so big, and it feels like that sometimes. It, it's just a stressful battle sometimes to put that armor on. But if we don't, if we don't equip ourselves with the proper armor, we are vulnerable, and we are extremely open targets. And God had the foreknowledge, praise him for that, to equip us with the perfect tools for this kind of battle. We're equipped with tools for protection and for, for fortitude, for stability, for security. God's armor allows us at times to simply make it through a difficult day or make it through that trial when we didn't even equip ourselves properly. And sometimes we don't equip ourselves at all, and that's when you can guarantee in your life there will be some form of attack. And the good news for us today is when all that time is over, when all that dust has settled, we remain, like Ephesians tells us, standing on our feet, ready for God to remove, to move and ready to respond to that next set of direction or that next instruction. Why? Because God is what? Good. Say that. Good. Yeah. God is what? Good. Yeah. Praise God for all the time. That verse, that saying completely changes if it's God is good some of the time. It doesn't work, you know. A simple word change can ruin the most basic praise songs. You know, it's a good, good father, not an okay father. You know. Psalms tells us this. They, that's us, they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they, the waves, are quiet. And so he guides them to their desired Haven, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And notice there that, yes, it's God that calms the storm. We know that. He brings us out, whatever we're facing, so that everything is still. But that doesn't automatically mean that we get to get out of the boat. (laughs) Sometimes you have to stay in the boat and get to where God is bringing you to. Our instinct is to bail out. It's taking on water. The waves are too much. You all right, Heath? Okay, good. <laughs> Am I boring you? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, hey, yeah, I don't mind that. If you're checking your fingernails when I'm talking, don't do that. I'm just kidding. That's the ultimate sign of I wish he would just get off the stage. It's like even my nails are more exciting than him. <laughs> We want to get out of the boat because it's been scary. And even though it's calm, we may think it's coming back again. Sometimes it's so scary, it brings us to the point of tears. You know, I I got to hang out with my my older kids who don't live around here. And they all come back for the holidays. And my my middle child, Zach, when he was younger, I used to love to torment him at Christmas time. Anybody feel that's a God-given right as a father? Yes. Torment your kids at Christmas time. That's the gift that keeps on giving. But he wanted this bike so bad. He was like 12. 
And there was a bike store right down the street from our house, and I went up, and the guy that was running it, he was the chaplain there at St. John's, super cool guy, and he had my son come up and, and help, and he'd put boxes away, and, you know, and he had these two bikes that my son wanted. And I went up, unbeknownst to my son, I'm like, hey, put this other one back. I'll take it for sure. I just don't want Zach to know. And so there was one left, and then uh, I told Zach, I said, hey, I'm talking to Steve about the bike and this and this and this. And, and then he came back and he was so destroyed because he, Steve sold the bike. And I was like, what? He was supposed to hold the bike, you know? And we made, I made up all these lies on Christmas, which just seems odd now, but I did. He was like, well, can we get this bike? I'm like, no, that bike's way too expensive. And how about this one? No, that's not, that's not a great bike. Let's just hold out and see if we can find one. And of course, Steve was with me on the, on the collusion. And so we never really, he never got the bike. Well, I had a friend of mine make him a slide ramp, you know, like a grinder ramp. And I uh, suck it out in the backyard at Christmas. And I put the bike on it, and, you, know, you know, and all this stuff. He didn't know it was out there. And, and, uh, and, you know, all my kids, I'm sure everyone in this room, if you have siblings, you're opening presents. And everyone's keeping a run in total, right? <laughs> right? Is that just me? Like, wait a minute. You got me fudge, and I got you a, oh, you know. Next year's going to be retaliation Christmas. No. But all my kids are opening their stuff. And my daughter at the time, we got her like a VCR and, you know, all this stuff. And I knew the big thing was out in the yard. And so, you know, whatever, underwear and socks, I guess, for the lack of a better term, is what Zach was getting. And he wasn't visibly upset, but he was obviously noticed that his daughter, his sister, was surrounded by the goods. And he had like, you know, the summer sausage and, you know, a couple T-shirts. And so I thought, hey, go out to the backyard, give me a screwdriver. I'd like to put batteries in, in your sister's remote for the VCR or whatever it was. Nah, I'm like, just go out there. You know, and it finally got to the point of tears. Because <laughs> I was like, go outside, I'm going to beat you with a stick. You know, and he's putting his shoes on because it's cold outside and all this stuff. Then he opens the back door and there's the bike sitting there. Suddenly everything was all good. And man, I thought, you ever feel like that? Like God has to move us like that sometimes? If you would just do what I, oh, would you just go outside? And just putting on your shoes. I hate Christmas, you know, and all this stuff. And, <laughs> man, I look back at those times when, when I don't want to go to where God wants me to go. And he almost, I guess, drags me there in some way, shape, or form. You know, it's never been worse. <laughs> the destination, the arrival has never been not worth it. But we have to look beyond what's going on, those circumstances we don't understand, and trust that Jesus is guiding and trust that he is guiding and he's going to place us exactly where we need to be in the end of it all. Man, we give thanks to the Lord for that kind of goodness in our life. It may have seemed like a difficult year, you know, more difficult for some than others. But man, we are on the door of another reset, and I guarantee you more craziness. <laughs> and God has taught the church some amazing things. If you weren't a patient human being, you better be now. <laughs> you know, I have learned patience. We have been given the lesson over and over and over again about what it means to truly have compassion, to truly have empathy, to just love others. And really in the end of it all, simply trying to say what Jesus would say. 
when he would say it. Learning to pick our spots, understanding why he would choose that particular moment. And finally, the most difficult thing, how to deliver that message with his intention and his heart is truly a daunting task. Because sometimes the mental picture of how we think God should work is far different than he's actually working. We become frustrated. We become flat. And we grow impatient, not with with God necessarily, but with his timing. I prayed, where is it? I asked for this, where is it? Can I just say, anybody have brat children? Hopefully not. If God answered your prayers instantly, you would become the biggest Christian brat this world has ever seen because you don't understand the power of a delay or sometimes a no. But instead of more prayer in our life, instead of asking for more patience, Lord, give me more hope so that I can see the end of this thing and more diligence to just do the things that I feel you've called me to do. We just hit the pause button and decide, well, then I'll just wait for God to do something. (laughs) We slow down. Sometimes we just stop altogether. We sit and we wait and we grow distant and we grow more tired and we grow more frustrated and importantly, we lose expectation that God is going to do anything at all. We lose the excitement of Christ in the midst because we simply aren't looking anymore. And it's so important that we understand that God loves us way too much just to let you sit idle and isolated. There should be no doubt at this point in your walk with Christ that he wants nothing but good in your life. He wants nothing but success for you and your business and you and your family time. He wants to bless. He wants to answer. He wants to move, etc. Draw the lines. There is no one who wants you to have more than you were created for than God himself. But that's why it's necessary for you to go through a season of waiting sometimes, of uncomfortable situations, of difficult Moments so that you can exercise your faith, so that you can become stronger in your faith. The Beatitudes there in Matthew chapter 5, I told you we'd get there, list for us a life that is rooted in patience and hope. And there are two words for the word bless in the Greek. The word here in Matthew chapter 5 is makarios, if you give me that butchering of that word, it conveys the sense of happiness and fulfillment. In other words, not, not your inner joy is gone. Jesus is trying to say that, man, the bottom line is we want, I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled. I want you to live a life outwardly too that's not just joyful but never happy. He writes there, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3, the Lord talking himself, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall possess the land. Blessed are they that mourn, 
for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice, for they shall have their fill. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are they that suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and speak all that is evil against you untruly for my sake. And when we're given these keys to happiness, for stability, for peace in times of trouble, the trouble with the Beatitudes is they don't look all that fulfilling. I mean, who wants to be poor in spirit? Who wants to mourn? Meekness doesn't look so hot, not to mention hunger and thirst and those kind of things. I mean, who wants that? Nobody prays for those kinds of things. But with each blessing, he said, blessed are those who, after each negative in our life, There's always a positive. After it gets hard, the Lord always makes it worth it. They're a setup. The bad things in our life and the negative things are a setup for God to do something good for us. Each downward movement in the Beatitudes involves a reversal. They show us realistically what to expect if you want to look for God to move. Sometimes it has to go down. These are pictures, really, that Jesus paints of how God puts his plans into motion. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are downtrodden, because one day theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The meek become owners. Hunger and thirst is satisfied. The clean, the pure at heart, See, God, you get the picture. And if we're in a place where we don't know all the answers at times, Jesus says that we are in a good place because that's where God really wants to move. And people who move in God's power don't often feel powerful. It's almost just the opposite of how we would do it in our own strength. It feels like chaos sometimes, and it feels like wandering sometimes, but always in the end, God shows us why we went through all of these things. (laughs) What an amazing God that we serve. He's allowed confusing and crazy sets of circumstances to enter in all of our lives. So that we can just draw close to him. You know, one of my favorite moments in life, and if I've shared this story and you're sick of hearing it, sorry, I'm going to share it again. But years ago, we were in in our van, me and my wife and my children, and there was this couple in this car just beating the out of each other. I mean, chicken, hair flying, screaming, the car rocking back and forth. I'm like, what is going on? So I ran out of the van. You know, and I ran back to the car. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get... And this guy's out of the car, and his hair's... And he runs around the back of his house, and I, I'm running up to the front of his house. I don't know if I'm going to go in the house yet. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I just... I didn't know what was happening. 
And this guy comes out of the house and his hair is just, I mean, because he'd been yanked on by his wife. He had chicken coming out of his nose. <laughs> That's no lie. He was breathing like just, he had this stuff all over him. And I'm like, whoa, man. I'm like, I just, I mean, we're just standing there at the door and I'm like, dude, I, I really just, I just want to pray for you. And he just, he just lost it. Started crying and bawling and we took him down to the old church and we prayed for him and he gave his life to Christ. We brought him back to the house a few hours later and his wife was there and they were crying and she gave her life to Christ and it was all good. And they moved the next day to out of state and I never saw him again. I'm like, what is going on? You know, like this is going to be my guy, you know, you know, but chaos. But man, God really did a great work. You know, it didn't feel like I didn't leave the van with Lord, give me strength and I'm holding my shield and my sword and I'm going to. I was freaking out, you know, looking for the nearest stick. <laughs> but you never really know. And you've learned as an adult. Well, you're learning, right, Isaiah? You wouldn't even pay attention. I could have been saying anything right there. You never really understand how good it is until it's a little bit on the bad side. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called to his purposes. Never makes sense if you've never had a problem. It never makes sense if the rug hasn't been ripped out from underneath you. And one of the biggest lessons I've learned this year is understanding that just as we need to equip ourselves for battle in the armor of God and the helmets of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and that shield of faith and the sword of the word and all those things that we love to wield. We also need to set time aside from the fight and simply praise God for his goodness. Isaiah paints a pretty clear picture of that ministry of Christ in Isaiah 61. He says to console those who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning, the reversal of those trades, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And I love the armor of God. And I love this garment of praise because you both, we have to pick them both up. You have to put them both on. They are both gifts. And yes, they're for protection and for battle and in exchange but they are rendered ineffective if we do not put them on. Unless we make the purposeful and intentional effort to place this battle armor on us on a daily basis or cloak ourselves in that garment of praise, then we will find ourselves ill-equipped for the fight, overwhelmed by the circumstances, and unable to see the goodness of what's going on around us. There's something happens in our spirit when we choose to put those garments on, when we choose to get dressed for the day and let God do what he does the best, encourage us, strengthen us. And I've discovered that when I take that garment upon myself and just begin to praise him out of circumstances, just praise him at times for his creation. Did you guys see the star of Bethlehem last week? We went and watched it. I was like, that's it? And I thought, I was in a bad spot mentally anyway. I'm like, this is the star anyway. 
my wife had this picture that she'd found online of it shining down, you know, and I'm like, it may have been rendered a little bit, but, you know, it looked like two dots in the sky and, you know. But you praise him for those creations. I mean, that's for us to see what he's done in my life. I was remodeling my garage for the last couple of weeks and really redoing it and doing all this stuff and tore the walls completely down and pulled every cabinet out and I've been redoing it. It's been a heck of a battle. And I found this old cassette way down in the wall that I, when we used to have band practice back in the day, me and my friends, we were not Christians and we were in my garage and this was like 1991, 1992. And I play that tape and I thought, man, this is going to be epic. It sucked. We were so bad. It was bad. But at our moment, then we thought, man, this is the best band. We're going to... Gosh, I'm glad God pulled me out of all that mess. Mark heard it. It was bad, wasn't it? It was bad. If you want a copy of it, I'm selling it on, you know. Praise him for those good things. Praise him for those things that escape even our memories that maybe sometimes he brings back. And yes, even at times, praising him for placing us in a spot to be used in a difficult situation, knowing that those trials are temporary, that he's working out something. If I just be patient, if I would just have hope, man, I cannot believe we are heading into 2021. Some of you guys remember the old church when it turned 2000. Remember that, Gina, when everybody was freaking out, gathering beans and water, you know, they were worried about what the banks were going to do. Remember that? The banks are not going to be able to calculate your interest because of the calendars. Don't. I'm like, what is happening? That was 21 years ago. And nothing really happened. The Mayan calendar ran out. Remember that big scare? Anybody ever just think that it ran out because the guy wrote up to like 2,000? They went, that's probably far enough. He said, good, because my hand is cramping. You know, he'd been writing for like, what, weeks, you know, trying to get this calendar. What a year, what a year we could have if we would choose to wear these garments on a daily basis. Maybe we only need to choose one. Maybe we do have a fight. Maybe we need to take the time just to praise. Maybe we can figure out a way to wear both on the same day. Each day reveals to us the proper attire to wear. And it really doesn't matter as long as we choose to get dressed each day. John 15 reminds us of just what we have to praise God for. As the Father loved me, Jesus says, I also have loved you. And you abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken. And my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And this is my commandment to the church that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love has none than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask in the Father, 
And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Man, that is so much to be thankful for. So much to cloak ourselves in that garment of praise. And as we prepare for time in the world, placing that armor on that that Paul describes in Ephesians, stand, having girded your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate, excuse me, of righteousness and having shod your feet with that preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, which you can quench those fiery darts of the wicked one and take that helmet of salvation. Now, that, that helmet of salvation is a very important term. It really talks about just knowing where you stand in Christ and not letting anything in there to guard your mind from anything that would draw you away from that peace. And of course, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, whether that be in print or digital, it's still effective. But praying always, praying always with supplication in the spirit, being watchful with perseverance and supplication for all of the saints, armed and ready for the challenges of 2021. Man, what a powerful, powerful set of garments that we have at our disposal. Amen? So God, we thank you for that renewal and that washing of the word. And Lord, I I pray for the church here gathered today, that friends and family and lives, Lord, that we would learn the value of that armor. We would learn the, the, the power in that garment of praise and that you would well, just begin to do the work that you would, Lord, if we're just at the beginning of whatever we're in or if we're near the end, Lord, you would just uh, give us that, that hope and that, that vigilant desire, Lord, to see you do what you do best. Just pray for conversations that are coming up, you know, vacations that are being planned. All the stuff that you've got for us in this fresh year, Lord, you would just unite us as a body. You would draw us close to yourself. And Lord, we just lift it up to you in uh, Jesus' name. Amen.